Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. And I tell you what, there's nothing better than basketball in March. Usually when you're talking about basketball in March, it is because the Bearcats are in the thick of some sort of, uh, you know, opening round, big victory or a, a big victory in the second round. But right now, Aaron, we have to touch on it. We had James Flight White and DeMar Johnson on the show last week. I don't want to even get into that. You're talking about basketball right now. I do want to bring up one gripe that I have right now. Well, how we are we was what I was going to say. How are we? Well, I'm just saying, why are we watching these games on Monday and Tuesday? What happened to the old schedule? I don't like I any it. of it. I, hate I it. love Monday, Tuesday. I, I think it's awful. I feel completely thrown off. No, I think you I'm had- broke. You had basketball all weekend, and now Monday and Tuesday you get more basketball, and you, you well, don't you, like it? It was the same way when it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I just feel like that that's my feel-good. Aaron, so, Aaron, here's what, the thing. Here's the thing. You have been out of a job for a while. Yeah, work expects you to be productive on a Monday. You can't be staying up until 1230 watching games. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. That's what coffee and caffeine was made for. You, you know, it's – Here's the thing. Mondays are traditionally the worst days, right? Yeah. Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Office Space told us that. But if you can go through a Monday knowing you've got two elite eight games that night, oh, baby. Same thing with Tuesday. Plus, when you have the Sweet 16 on Thursday and Friday, the games are doubled up. Yeah, exactly. Saturday and Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Sweet 16, we got standalone games from 2 p.m. to midnight. Oh, Saturday baby. and Sunday. And that now, was phenomenal. Now, we get the Elite Eight individual games Monday night, Tuesday night, although that game tomorrow night is late. Yeah. I'm not going to get home from Indianapolis until like, Three o'clock in the morning. Yep. Look, maybe but it's I'll the survive. Maybe it's the baseball fan in me. Call me a traditionalist, if you will. I don't know, but I just I miss the old format. I don't. I don't. I'm just completely thrown off with all of this. Chad, Chad, here's my official offer to you. I've got a comfy couch. Go ahead and spend the night with your uh, with your beautiful nephew. Come on over, I'm not, Chad. I'm not sleeping with you like that. <laughs> Okay, a different way and a different day. <laughs> Let's do it. But still, yes, that game's tomorrow night. I'll be there too. Can't wait to see you, but I doubt we will. It's a pretty big facility to have the amount of people that'll be there. But, um, you know, there are s- stories that are obviously affiliated with the Cincinnati Bearcats currently going on in the, in the NCAA tournament. We're not going to dive into those, but it just continues to show the fact that, like everyone thinks, the city might have a curse on it, and I don't know <laughs> exactly how this is possible, but currently we are in that situation. Uh, Houston, even up by 17 points at halftime against Oregon State as we are recording this pod. Yeah, they, it's just, they got them doubled. When it, when it rains, it pours. So let's talk about the rain. Aaron? Okay. I know we're going to talk about it a little later, but you could also bring up Memphis winning the NIT. <laughs> Memphis did win the NIT as well. Just, just pile it on. Just pour, pour salt in the wound. Um, so, go ahead. I don't know. I, I just, 
obviously there's some turmoil going on between coach John Brandon and AD Cunningham and whatever the, what makes you think that uh, the statement about the investigation into allegations. Oh, Oh, I actually found that that statement. I found that statement. Shall I read it? That. Shall I read it? Sure. Yeah. Well, the university of Cincinnati in conjunction with independent fact finders will commence a review of allegations related to its men's basketball program. Director of athletics, John Cunningham stated the university has always put the welfare of its student athletes first. We feel this is an essential step to ensure that all of our athletic programs meet the highest standards. This would have been possibly the perfect quote. What if it came out maybe on Thursday or two weeks ago of the week before? Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks prior, but it didn't, it came out on Friday when there was, you know, noise about somewhat of a news dump, some sort of a news dump coming for the basketball program. And then this was the statement. Obviously it has been drugged through the dirt and I, want to be the eternal optimist. I, and I try to be the eternal optimist, but in this situation, it's, it's hard to find much optimism behind releasing that statement. And yes, they did need to say something, but releasing that statement that far past when all these stories in The Athletic, all the, the stories on Bearcat Journal, all of the stories from the national media, you know, the worst thing about this this is the fact that you have the national media grabbing a hold of it. Well, it you was it was a whole bunch of people talking about it. Go ahead. It was it was a whole bunch of saying nothing while saying something, or saying saying something while saying nothing. Like it right. was just I don't know that they could have handled this really any more poorly. Mm-hmm. And you know that I think that's a glaring indictment on John Cunningham. Yeah, and, and, well, and ha- as Chad has reported, what this statement kind of says is that. Now the lawyers are getting involved. So, yeah, sure, it, it is a step in the process. But the key word is process. You know, like this, we, we have no no idea how long this review of allegations is going to take. And, you know, Chad mentioned that he's hearing one, one side of it is going to be, hey, this might be wrapped up this week. The other side of it, hey, this might take multiple weeks. Aaron, give me give me both sides. Give me give, give me a positive for both of those scenarios, both of those scenarios, and then a negative as well. Well, if it's done in a couple of days, everyone can move on. You can get a new hire in here, start the hiring process, so you can start the recruiting process. Like, or I mean, if you move on, I mean, I, I know that it's been pointed out by some people um, that you know investigations don't usually go well for the coach. They don't usually end up with the coach retaining his job. So that said, if it's done in a couple of days, you, everybody moves on. You start the hiring process, start the recruiting process, because Lord knows there's a lot of holes to fill at this point in time. That said, yes. if it takes a couple of weeks, I'm struggling to think of anything positive about it. I guess yeah. maybe you do a thorough investigation and you know you dot every I, cross every T. But at that point, you've also wasted very valuable recruiting time as you're already seeing some of these uh, transfer portal guys having talked to you know, not maybe a handful, but two handfuls of schools. And how do you hope to compete at that point in time with some of these top transfer portal guys? It's not even possible. Yeah. And, and you've seen from numerous different outlets, including here on BearcatJournal.com, that there is speculation that if, if there were to be a change, possibly some of the current players that are in the portal were 
thinking about possibly returning. The, you know, the, the, that scenario is not completely thrown out yet, but you have to think if it takes a week, two weeks, three weeks, even a month, those players in the portal from Cincinnati, you know, Tari Eason, Mikey Saunders, Mason Madsen, Gay Madsen, Zach Harvey, Mamadou Diara, all of those players, you, you have to think if it continues to drag on, they might start to think, okay, I need to make a decision for myself. Yeah. I can't continue to sit here and, and wait for something to happen because, you know, I, as, as of this moment, however much it hurts me to say, they do not owe anything to the University of Cincinnati. They don't. You know, they're, they're entering the transfer portal just like 975 other players have so far. But if you are able to get it done somewhat quickly, which it seems almost inevitable that it will, I don't, at this point, I really don't see any way that, that John Brandon will, would be coming back as the head coach. It would be a very crazy situation and a very rough, rough ride for him as the head man if he did. But if you're able to get this figured out somewhat soon, then maybe you are able to get that new coach in line and you are able to get that new coach to reach out to the, to the past players and say, hey, we're going to try and do things differently here. Let's try and get, get on the same page, whatnot. And then, of course, as you said, Aaron, continue to recruit other players, whether in the portal or whether some gems that, that they might know outside of that. Well, I was going to say, you know, if you did bring in somebody, it may be too late with even the relationships that they already have, like these previous relationships with some of these kids. At that point, to have even recruited, they could already be gone, you know, depending on how long this whole process takes. I mean, that's the problem. If this thing is weeks, multiple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. The top of the transfer portal is going to be picked over. Yep. No so, one's going to wait for Cincinnati at that point in the coaching carousel that they're going through. Well, you're going to have to, at that point, rely on hoping that there are late additions to the transfer portal because right. weeks from now, the kids that are already in the transfer portal have heard from dozens of schools, have started Zoom calls, have gotten farther along. I mean, if there was if there was any possibility you knew that this thing is eventually going to be weeks, don't you have to handle something differently? Like, I, I don't know exactly what, because clearly, I mean, I, I don't think I'm, you know, saying anything earth shattering here when it's pretty clear to me that John Cunningham has decided to do whatever possible to, to, to move on from this basketball coach. Right. Right. So, if you're talking weeks, oh, I mean, I, you're going back into the same situation you put John Brandon in when he took the job. The problem is you, you don't have Jaron Cumberland and Trey Scott and Keith Williams hanging around. Oh, and I mean, and, and who's to say you you would really would have anybody? I, you know, of course, we've we've seen Jeremiah Davenport speak about his you know confidence of wanting to you know, be here and, and, and be a Bearcat and, and loyalty and, you know, things always work out in the end type situation. But, you know, with the coaching change, there's never really any known factor of who's going to stay and who's not. And you hope that you have any, any holdovers, but when you only have what, five, four, you know, it, it becomes a little smaller. So yes, getting a coach in to recruit players, to recruit his own team, which obviously we've seen is something that coaches need to do now. It's of the utmost importance. I mean, you saw IU finally wrapped up their 
their coaching search. And they, they elected to go former player, big-time NBA connections, a pretty good hire by them. But they're quickly assembling the roster. They're, they're quickly assembling a coaching staff. They're, they're trying to get things moved quickly because, you know, there's an urgency. A lot of these players you see, the, the first couple teams to reach out to them and they build a bond with, you're starting to see the players really get a, get a liking to those players, I mean, to those teams. When you don't have a staff, staff in place that you guys are saying, you're not able to reach out to these players. I mean, you enter the portal and you're already seeing tweets that like six different schools, seven different schools have already reached out to this kid within, you know, not even a day. So, I mean, the, the delay by weeks would be catastrophic, catastrophic for the program. And it's, you know, you see some of the effect that this is all having on the fan base as well as the fan base, especially on, you know, twitter.com has become a cesspool of just, you got fans just tweeting at the actual players, telling them how soft they are, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's become, you know, are you team players, former players? Are you team current players? Are you team John Brandon? Are you team new coach in here? It's just become a huge giant mess. The BCJ boards are just as bad. It's, I, it's, and when you start talking to the players like that, the actual players on Twitter, it's got to stop. Yeah, it does. And the adults I, I are mean, acting like children. Right. And they're, they're honestly, it's getting to the point where you don't know who's a troll and who's a real passionate fan. I, like it's, it's hard to really find anyone out there that has a realistic set of ideas towards this situation. Cause as of right now, we're all kind of left in limbo. I, I mean, what if there is no true cause or what if there is no, no stipulation? Smoking you, gun. Yeah. It's like, you know, we've heard this, this Kara, the, the countable athletically related activity. That's, that's the main thing I think that kind of is, is what people can really drag out of this situation. And it's just, you know, it, Aaron, are you familiar with Kara? Not, not your ex-girlfriend Kara, but this Kara. I don't think I ever dated a Kara. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> there are some I might not remember their names. It's right, fine. exactly, exactly. Uh, but no, I'm not familiar with uh, with Kara here. But it's pretty much what Chad. You have you have an allotted hours of practice time in a week. It's not just practice time. So the, the I mean, I, it's pretty detailed in that, like, if you're in season, you get 20 hours a week. You have to right. take one day off. Games count. Okay. So, okay. so game days would be two hours per game. Plus you have your hour walkthrough before the game. So game days would be three hours. So if you're playing two games a week, you're down to 14 practice hours over four days. And those right. hours include practice film, anything that is like you call the team together to do something. And Including working out with the strength and conditioning coach as well? Yes. Okay. Now, there's not as much of that in the season. Right. Um, you know, you're, you're going in and getting, you know, 30 minutes of a lift in or whatever just to keep your strength uh, up. But it's definitely not the off season where you're in there, you know, you know an hour or 45 minutes a day uh, doing your strength training and stuff. But there is – a period of that where guys will, you know, you get done with practice, you go hit the weight room to do a cool down, whether it be a little cardio or a light lift, 
um, to keep your strength up so that you're not losing all your muscle during the season. But th right. that's included. Uh, team functions are included. If they've got to come in and do like, um, you know, like video, like stuff for the video board or that they try to get all that stuff done before the season because all of that stuff is counted. So basically anytime your coaches, you know, require you to be in the facility, it counts against the 20 Kara hours a week. And it, that seems like a pretty good number of hours. Right. But once you start adding everything up, it gets away from you pretty quickly. Yeah, especially with, with only seven days in a week, obviously. And if you have two games in a week, and as we saw a couple times. And you have to season, take a day off. There's one mandatory day off where you cannot ask them to do anything. And and I, once we saw, you know, you know the season, we saw a couple weeks where there was three days with games. So, yeah, um, I that's mean, nine hours. Right. But, so that's that's kind of tiptoeing that line. But I mean, you know, it, that part doesn't really matter as much once you really consider that, like. You get six days a week, basically, you get a little over three hours a day for the six days a week. Um, but, you know, coaches, <laughs> they want you to be NBA guys, right? right? Eight hours, seven hours a day, eight hours a day. Get in the gym, work on your game. Now, you can go in the gym on your own. Right. And that doesn't count. But anything organized, any organized team activities counts against the care hours. So I think it's fair to say that none of these guys, like in the story we heard last week, were breaking into the gym at one in the morning for shoot arounds. I wouldn't say that. I mean, it, it's very possible they were. You think? I, Victor yeah. Lockin was knocking down six straight threes numerous times. I saw that. At one in the morning? That looked late at night. But that is, I think, the buzzword that you've seen a lot connected to this whole situation. Um, Locking? I, I don't know. It's weird. What, what was that? <laughs> what, locking? No, no. <laughs> well, that lock-in can go as lock-in as well. But, no, I, it's it's a very strange situation because, obviously, then you tie in the whole COVID and, and what, you know, kind of that might have to do with the whole situation. I don't think anyone knows at this point concrete evidence of what exactly it is they're targeting and going after because – I think it's only John Cunningham that really knows that. And for all of my knowledge, he has been completely mum shut, except for that tiny two sentence statement that he made on Friday. You could say the same thing for our recruiting where we don't know what we're targeting, what we're going after. I mean, poor Bryson spell, man. I mean, but still it's a different story for a different time. I, I think it's extremely important though, to know that you can build a team with players from the transfer portal, with, with transfers. You can definitely build a team from that. But you can't wait as long as this process could draw out in order to do it. I mean, you look at the current tournament. Here's a fun fact for you, Aaron. Every team in the Elite Eight, all eight teams, has one transfer in their starting lineup. Oh. Pretty interesting thing there. Uh, numerous teams have multiple transfers in their starting lineup. Houston has four in their starting lineup. You know, it's it's kind of just a, a situation where you can definitely build maybe not that next year, but, you know, possibly a couple of years down the line with the situation where you bring in a multi-year transfer, as you've been seeing 
a lot this season, but we can't, you, you just cannot let the process drag on as long as it's, it's been speculating to possibly go. No, I mean, we, we've talked about it, I think, off air, where it's, it's basically a giant game of musical chairs, and somebody's going to be left out at the end of the day, and you hope that, you know, this process hasn't taken so long that we're the ones scrambling up to grab everybody didn't get a chair, because that's not ideal, and that's not how you're going to build a successful program around the transfer portal. And, you know, it, so you look around college basketball, I, there's what? There's two jobs open that are of you know, power five, high level importance where Cincinnati also ties in. I, I, it does not seem like there's too many more openings right now. You know, you're looking at, at Texas and Oklahoma and then Cincinnati, if I can kind of really think off the top of my head. Seems like most of the other places are getting kind of felt. I think, the, the, I don't think DePaul found a coach yet either, but, you know, it's, it's just kind of a situation where, you know, it's like, it seems like most teams kind of have things set up where they're able to go on and move forward with what they currently have. And when you're one of those final teams still searching for a coach and searching for a situation like in, in a crazy offseason like this, it's going to be tough for you to then find a coach who might not already be comfortable with what he's doing, not willing to jump into the current situation here. I mean, it, it all just boils down to the longer this thing draws out, the worse it is. Well, and I mean, at the end of the day, do you think Cunningham survives the next year or two either? Yeah, I I think obviously this will be a, a tough situation right here. I I mean, you look I, at both both things. It's it's hard to not feel bad for for the hand that both John Brandon was dealt and what Cunningham was dealt. I I mean, it's just been a crazy couple of years, mm-hmm. and you know what comes of it, obviously you can draw more conclusions past that, but as of right now, it's just, man, it has been a tough time sled. Aaron. Yes. What's, what's it take to get fired? Doing something wrong. Not, not being successful. Mm-hmm. On an, on a, on a little bit broader scale. COVID. That's how I lost my job. <sighs> Break it down for him, Chad. What it takes to get fired. Is for your boss to be unhappy with your performance, right? I think I think Neville Pinto is getting pretty much exactly what he wants from John Cunningham. Yeah. So, do I think no? Under this president, that was that was his handpicked athletic director. Now, you want me to really throw some gas on the fire? <laughs> You're in a better place than I. You know where this, like, we talked yesterday, we talked on the Skinny Podcast about, like, uh, would Jalen Tate be a red flag for you? Like, should we have, have looked at that as a red flag on John Brannon's recruiting and whatever, you know? And Rick described, Rick was closer to the situation than anybody because he's, you know, he covers NKU, that from what he had heard, Tate was looking for the biggest opportunity possible, the biggest stage possible and wanted to play in the sec. Mm-hmm. Should there have been a red flag when you, you are searching for an athletic director, you hire a search firm. Generally when you hire a search firm, that search firm has somebody lined up, right? Like they have, this is the number one guy. We deliver them on a platter. 
It's a perfect fit. It looks like, you know, it, it should be a perfect fit. And it everybody goes home happy. UC had that. They brought in the athletic director from Appalachian State. They wined him. They dined him. They interviewed him. He was, from everything I know, their target to be the next athletic director at the University of Cincinnati. He went back to Boone, North Carolina and said, no, nah, I think I'm going to stay here. <laughs> Should that have been more of a red flag than we made of it? Probably. Handpicked by the search firm. Experienced athletic director at a level a step below Cincinnati, even though Appalachian State has a very good football program, a very good athletic department. They are what should be a step below Cincinnati. The Appalachian State athletic director coming here as the top candidate interviewing and deciding he didn't want the job. In retrospect, has to raise some eyebrows. Was that after meeting with, is like what, kind of goes into that interview. Are you meeting with the main Everybody. coaches? Or Everybody. You, know what I mean? you meet with the coaches, you meet with the president, you go out to, to a, a, a open bar happy hour with the big, big shot donors. You get to look at the books. You get to get a feel and, and uh, you know, a, a full 48 hour, whatever look into the program that's trying to court you. He got that look. He was the number one candidate. Went back home and said, nah, I'm good. And in those situations, what generally happens, they have your number two candidate, which is somebody like John Cunningham, who is uh, an associate AD somewhere. The search firm is trying to groom him for a job, trying Mm -hmm. to get him ready for the next step in his career. He finishes, you know, it, it's it's really good for that person's career and the search firm if somebody like John Cunningham finishes second for the AD job at Cincinnati. Hmm. And when the Appalachian State Athletic Director says no, now you've got your number two that moves up to your number one. and uh, And here we are. And this is not John Cunningham's fault. In that it is much like what John Brandon has had to deal with, maybe the most difficult situation humanly possible for someone in their first year on a job. Right. But that doesn't change the fact that he's been the athletic director through what is going on. Right. And it doesn't seem like from looking at the, the big picture, it doesn't seem like he's quite, uh, ready to handle what he has been tasked to handle here over the past 18 months. I, are you, he did do one very big thing, obviously. And with, with Aaron could have done that. Aaron could have done that. <laughs> I, I think you're underselling Aaron. I think Aaron would have locked down, you know, Luke Fickle to a Calipari lifetime deal. I think, I think that's the Aaron potential there. There's, there's my ray of, of sunshine, my, you know, ever-ending optimism for you, Aaron. But I, yes. I like to think we'd be best friends. There we go. There we go. I agree. But yeah, I mean, a lot to unpack there, Chad. And I think uh, get in line, uh, Aaron. Get in line. 
<laughs> B Fox might kill me first. <laughs> yes, he, he would. Yes. You know why Luke uh, doesn't take shots at B Fox at press conferences? I don't. Because B Fox is never there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> shout out beatbox how are you hope you're doing all right <laughs> that is it it, it 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 comes off as a shot but beatbox they they started practice a little early saturday for spring mm-hmm. football uh which meant it ended a little early we were supposed to do interviews at 12 45 we actually ended up starting interviews at like 12 20 uh and beatbox was coming down the steps as we were wrapping up the last interview Ooh. so that is just having some fun with B Fox. He was, he was uh, planning on showing up doing the interviews. And then he had his three boys with him that he took to the, uh, to the baseball game. So it's, it's not a, a shot at B Fox. It is a right. friendly uh, nudge at B Fox because <laughs> he showed up literally as we were, as I was closing my camera and getting ready to, to put the tripod back in the case here comes B Fox walking down the steps with his sons. And it, it was, it was a pretty funny scene. That's all. Well, the, uh, the jab for B Fox, I'm sure he enjoys it because he knows how to give them as well. So yeah. yeah. But a lot to unpack with what you just said there, Chad, obviously I think, uh, I think the board can do a good job with that one as well, but you know, this also just represents a situation where John Cunningham can also buckle down and, do his job and really come out with flying colors as well. You know, if, if, if a situation like this is able to be resolved and a strong candidate is found and moves are made quickly, then you know what? All of a sudden we're looking back and we're saying, wow, that was just a phenomenal job by the athletic director and everyone involved with the situation as well. So, you know, two sides to it. Um, It could go disasterly. It could go, Strongly. So the hope, of course, for me, I'm sure everyone else is that it goes swimmingly and this this fire, this this is fine, meme worthy fire gets extinguished as quickly as possible. And that's without even bringing up any of the financial ramifications. Aaron, come on now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's the reason why we're in the situation that we're in right now. I I mean, we don't have. Right. You didn't even have to say it. The, I mean, yeah. IU, for instance, obviously $10, $10 million buyout. Then you hire pretty much two head coaches and you're going to bring in possibly Larry Brown. I, I mean, that is just deep, deep pockets. So um, I don't know. The whole, the whole thing obviously is going to have to take hopefully not too long to happen, but it's going to take a lot of work to go into it. And of course, like Chad has done, it will be right on top of it. BearcatJournal.com, stay locked in, continue to lock in. But Aaron, Chad, anything else on the whole basketball front before we, we kind of shift gears to something a little bit more sunshine and rainbows? It was all sunshine on Saturday. Well, there we go. That is a segue. Aaron, fantastic. Um, so Chad and Dave were at practice on Saturday. Chad, and of course, went to practice again uh, today. And from all accounts, you know, sadly, I, I haven't been able to make it to a practice, but just reading the wrap ups and, and, you know, reading the tea leaves and seeing different pictures and videos does seem like 
this team is a true top 10 caliber team and one that's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Aaron, kind of what are some some main things that you've kind of drawn out just from the coverage so far of the spring practices? Obviously, the tackle situation itself uh, with the offensive line, um, that's become kind of a story with uh, bringing in Tunstall. And uh, he's now with the twos as, uh, you know. I think he's been with the twos all along. Well, he's been seeing some time throughout. Because because Williams has been at class. Right. If Williams was at practice every day, I think Tunstall would have been with the twos every day. So it's just an important, you know, distinction to make, I think, because it's, you know, it, it implying Tunstall has been with the ones while technically true. I think if, if Williams is at practice right now, I think it's pretty clear. They believe John Williams is their best tackle right now. And from talking to people, uh, around the program and a few people that are uh, on the field going against said offensive line. Uh, the reports on John Williams are very favorable. Of course, you also like to hear what's going on with the defensive line as my has been dominant by all accounts. Um, I, I heard Chad on uh, on Thursday's show talking about how uh, Briggs put somebody into the ground. Big one, one hand, big one, <laughs> big, big one. Sorry. Sorry. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it, you can visualize it because of the guy's a man mountain. He's so, so big. Um, they were, they were running after practice today, the D line going like sideline to sideline uh, gassers. And he looked like the dude from game of Thrones. <laughs> the mountain. Again, the mountain. He's just, he's just shoulder to shoulder. It was like, is unbelievable the size of that human being from shoulder to shoulder. I mean, it, it, it's not natural. Like he, it, it's almost funny watching him like try to do like, like move, like they're doing the sideline to sideline sprints mm-hmm. and there's so much muscle to him. He's not great in that like setting, but in a setting where he only has to move and like a, five yard box he just eliminates people i wish you guys could have seen the uh one-on-one d-line drills saturday yeah the the first two reps my j took they didn't lay a hand on him <laughs> and that was against o'quinn and and coop i think okay uh, the o'quinn one he he took half a step outside and ripped maybe the fastest spin move I've ever seen somebody put in practice and by the the time O'Quinn could even react my J was at the quarterback which I I think I want to say it was the Tulsa game last year in the AC championship that was a move that my J set up the entire game he was yeah. going outside hard outside hard and then he had three straight plays where he was huge QB hurry and then on the next play he does a spin move back in and gets a sack so I mean, that, that guy's just next level, obviously. And then on Coop, Coop was obviously – I just watched him put that spin move uh, on on O'Quinn. So Coop's trying to set up a little bit inside, trying to prevent the spin move. Whoop, speed rush right outside him, didn't get a hand on him. It was like, this guy right now is 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 practicing at a level that you just – 
you don't see very often. You, you, you just don't experience somebody that advanced with that many different tricks in his bag. And to be and, clear, uh, you mean just fun in to general. watch. You mean in, just general, in general, not just at Cincinnati, but just like nationally, you don't see a guy like this. Not many. I mean, there's a reason he's starting to be talked about as a, as a top 50 prospect for, for the next draft. Like it, it's, and, and I, I credit a lot of it to, to his time working with Scruggs because those two have spent a ton of time together. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he's starting to get that that NFL uh, level variety into his pass rush. Right. Where it's not a speed rush or a bull rush or a spin move or, you know, a, an, an up and under or, or a twist or a stunt. Um, once you get a guy that's, that's as athletic and talented as Majay, and he can do all of those things or is starting to get all of those things in his bag of tricks. Mm-hmm. You got a guy on the edge that, that makes life hell for opposing offenses. You know, it, it kind of did seem like early in my Jay's career, it was just raw ability, yeah. raw athletic talent. You started to see him fine tune it a little bit last year where he was going with some some moves that you could tell he's been practicing and things of that sort, like the spin move and, and just the straight speed rush on the outside. But, man, if he is able to get a little bit of a repertoire, a little bit of a, you know, some, some you know, tools in his bag, if you will, some tricks, I mean, man, he he's going to be a force, especially in the AAC where he can just dominate. Yeah, there's, there's, not, many, there's not many NFL-level tackles in the AAC. No. So no. – Good luck. Good luck. So, Chad, you were at practice today. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and, and give us a couple tidbits. Obviously, there we've heard some some key names really kind of stepping out and shining so far early in spring practice. Just what are some some notes that you can sprinkle on us today? Uh, guy that had a great great day today, Todd Bumpus. Okay. Um, he has kind of solidified himself so far into that, uh, second team spot behind Kobe Bryant. Yep. Uh, opposite of Jaquan Shepard, who was kind of the, the Ahmad Gardner of the second team. Um, he had a really good day today. Uh, got a pick, um, had a couple pass breakups. Sauce was excellent today. Had a pick on Dez where Dez thought he had it was I think it was Jordan Jones on like a deep post mm-hmm. and sauce was trailing and at the point of the ball being let go looked like Dez had uh Thompson pretty set up right and and sauce just whoop, right around him stepped right in front and, and picked it um pretty easily like yeah. very fluid very natural that like you would expect from, you know, a, a shutdown corner. Right. Uh, Prater, I thought, had a really good day today. Okay. Uh, a great 25-yard throw to uh, Tyler Scott that Tyler Scott snagged with one hand uh, okay. about six inches from us on the sideline. Um, we scrambled. Yep. We scrambled. Okay. I'm probably going to get a text from Luke tonight that I didn't sacrifice my body to uh, again to keep Tyler Scott upright. Look. I, he could yell at me a million times. I am not getting in the way 
of a guy with a helmet and pads on. Now, to let everyone know, it was in the bubble today because it was yes. a little chilly in Cincinnati this morning. But, in Chad, last year you did not save Bruno LaBelle, I believe, was the uh, – Correct. Correct. The, the, Bruno the horse who coming is, at you, if you will. <laughs> Bruno is 6'3", six, six, 240 pounds. Right. Uh, I got in trouble for not getting in front of him as he barreled out of bounds at full speed. Now, Tyler Scott, you could probably maybe, you know, hug a little bit, but still it's a. If he was, uh, if he didn't have shoulder pads and a helmet on, possibly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But still, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't get the luxury of, of UC's doctors. If I get hurt in these situations. So. And with everything going on in basketball right now, I don't have time to go to the hospital. <laughs> now, are they are they bouncing many people right now between ones and twos, or is it pretty much just running? Um, there's a little bit. I mean, there's a couple guys that kind of are in that like 1A, 1B situation mm-hmm. where they want to get both of them as many reps as possible with the ones. So then they'll, you know, they'll bounce back and forth between the ones and twos. Mainly on that one, it's been um, Van Fossen and Pace. Deshaun Pace, Ty Van Fossen, because I think those guys are pretty even mm-hmm. uh, with with who's going to be the 1A and 1B. Um, we're seeing, uh, if you watch Luke's interview from Saturday, he talked about they're not doing vet days, but what they'll do is they'll they'll give like, sauce and kobe uh a series off and then when the series is over shepherd and and bumpus will come over and sauce and kobe will be responsible for like what did you see what you know what did your eyes tell you da 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 um so that's what luke means when he's talking about giving guys well they're not giving them vet days they're giving them maybe a little bit fewer reps but higher responsibility mentally uh, in terms of teaching the young guys and, and getting those, because, you know, next year, Sauce and Kobe ain't going to be here. Right. And right. you better have the guys behind them ready. Um, so uh, let's see what else. Uh, Jack Perry has a great arm. Really? If you don't, if you don't know who Jack Perry is, he's the, the walk-on quarterback. Yeah, he has over the we've they've had six practices. I've seen three of them. Yep. There's at least one or two times of practice where Jack Perry makes a throw, and you're like, "Ooh, okay." Um, Which is big, obviously, because you saw the quarterback room kind of depleted with yeah, a transfers, well, especially for spring. You right. don't want Prater taking a million reps. Yeah. And, and you don't even the scout team, if you will, down the line. Well, there's, yeah. But you'll have Lichtenberg here and you'll have right. like you'll have reinforcements. Hoyer, or the, uh, the the kid from Columbus, yeah. the walk on will the be here. Um, so you'll have more arms at that point. But at this point, you've got Dez and Prater and you really don't want those two to have to take every throw. Mm-hmm. One-on-one, seven-on-sevens, team, you know, you want to have a guy, and, and that guy needs to be pretty good, right? Yeah. Because right. it, it, it's not doing anybody any good if that guy can't make any throws. 
Right. And I'm not saying that Jack Perry uh, is a, a starter Cincinnati level quarterback. What I'm saying is he's once or twice a day, he'll rip a throw like 25, 30 yards downfield where you're like, Jack Perry's got an arm. Well, and in that picture that Des tweeted out with the quarterbacks, Jack Perry looks pretty big too. Not not necessarily yeah. as tall as Des and Evan, but he looks he, a, he looks pretty sizable. He had a twenty five yard touchdown to Wyatt Fisher today. That uh, that he wow, was a really nice throw. Your boy Wyatt. There was a there was a five yard touchdown uh, red zone throw today. Evan Two. Prater, Blue Smith. Okay, Aaron. Oh, blue. Aaron, go a, go go off on a blue Smith tangent, Aaron. There's a blue sighting. You're my boy, blue. He is uh he is pretty comfortably either he is, and, and this is without uh, Alec Pierce in the contact periods. Alec is, you know, we talked about this last week. I think Alec is uh, is practicing. He's just not doing the full contact. He had his shoulder cleaned out. Uh, so they're just being careful with him. He could go full go now, but there's there's no point in that really. Yeah. Um, so that moves Jordan Jones up into the the uh, field receiver, the yeah the boundary receiver, no field receiver spot. Mm-hmm. Boundary, boundary, yeah. And then uh, that makes Blue Smith the number two guy in the boundary right now with uh, Pierce being out. So. So still in the slot. Uh, yeah, Trey Tucker's Trey can't play outside. He's five foot right. six. Right. <laughs> uh, Tyler Scott was good again today. That kid I love. Uh, a couple of good catches from Michael Young today as well. Um, Trey actually was getting a lot of looks ahead of Michael Young today in the slot, <laughs> just as they rotated. But Michael Young was was in there quite a bit as well. Um, a lot of picks today. Todd Bumpus interception, Joel DeBlanco interception. Mm-hmm. Um, Huber had a pick uh, on a ball that was tipped. You read uh, about the Jack- Jerome Ford. What? I said you wrote about the Jerome Ford running for. That was Saturday. Yard. We're oh. talking about today. Gotcha. Keep up, Aaron. It's been a long day. <laughs> okay. He works one day and he's he's exhausted. It was the move this weekend. <laughs> um, Jack Dangle had a pick on Prater. Uh, I, I was told the offense started out pretty good today. Okay. And then I was told there was a little uh, exchange between Coop, Jeremy Cooper, and Malik Van. Ooh, and uh, the defensive line was pretty much ridiculous after that they, they flipped the switch so uh, talk about coop a little bit more because if, if this move is going to be happening where O'Quinn shifts out to right guard right tackle and you have Vinny o'connell at right guard you know center right. obviously renfro then that's going to slide jeremy cooper back in at left guard with you know tunstall and of course john williams starting at left tackle so tell me how how does coop look coop was obviously hurt a little bit in the beginning of last year, kind of slowed his his start to the season, no. if you will. He was he was hurt the year before. He broke his leg. right, right. But but the off season, it didn't look like he ever got fully back in he did. to the to the level that he was the year prior. Correct. So how is he? Is he looking back on the right path towards what he was the beginning of his his sophomore year? 
he looks a lot more he moves a lot better like okay. you could tell laterally that leg injury had an impact on him he just wasn't his get off wasn't there he wasn't moving as well right. um so it, it does look like it's it's much uh farther along than it was previously so you know the I haven't it's so hard to tell though man because that defensive line is so good so good yeah so good how much of it is this guy's not doing what he's supposed to be doing and right. how much of it is the guy across from him is just really good yeah um but I you know I haven't there haven't been too many instances where it's like ooh, who got who got worked on that one I guess the question is could you see those five being the starting five or do you think it's a situation yeah. where a tackle emerges right. on the offseason and you bump O'Quinn back down to guard I mean if Tunstall can continues to to improve I could see him on the right side right right um but right now they've been pretty happy with O'Quinn so okay. I mean if if Coop's giving you what you want at left guard and O'Quinn's giving you what, what you want at right tackle, then you just you roll with that. So, yeah, I, I could see that being the starting five. Now, does that necessarily mean it's going to be? No. Right. I mean, we're we're six practices into the spring. Yeah. So a, a lot can change between now and then. But um, they generally, if they're not happy, there's tinkering, right? Right. And right. we haven't seen a whole lot of tinkering yet outside of Williams having to, to be a class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I have uh, I was, I was just going to ask how how has Mets looked at uh, at guard? Pretty good. Um, he, he had a false start today. Was like ah, oh. but that's the first one I've seen in three practices. Who shouted Mets? Could you tell? <laughs> I couldn't tell. I had the same thought go through my brain. Who shouted Mets? <laughs> um, he's been pretty solid. I mean, I, he's been good run blocking, which you would expect because that's what he does well, and we've seen quite a few quality runs from Ethan Wright running with that second team. Right. Uh, Montgomery was held uh, like limited for two days. Cause I think he had a, a little ankle tweak, mm -hmm. um, but he was back with the second team today, full go. So that second team running back battle uh, between uh, Montgomery and, and Wright will be interesting. Um, McClellan has been very limited. Uh, he's been around, but he's not, Obviously, they're not going to press press him into anything coming off of, you know, blowing out his, his knee for the second time. Right. And and you mentioned Ethan Wright. So Brady put up the, the speed winners today. Were you able to witness that on the field at all? Because well, those see, are Tyler those Scott are number one, Ethan Wright, number two. And then Trey Tucker at five, yeah, you know, with Brian Cook are, at three. I mean, so crazy. they. I mean, yeah, Ethan Wright's fast. Like, so they have these monitors on their that go around their chest. Right. That's where they get those speed numbers from. It's it measures like when you're running, what your top speed is. Wow. Okay. So that's what that measurement is from. Um, Ethan Wright, that kid's an athlete, man. He's got good size. He's fast. He's got good hands. I like Ethan Wright a lot. I think he gives them the best chance at that kind of bigger. Um, a little bit more physical option uh, that could complement Ford, where I think Ryan Montgomery is kind of a little shifty, you know, mm -hmm. a little not not exactly like Ford, but a lot more like Ford than Ethan Wright is. Right. Well, and 
in, in any state where Evan Prater is not also the uh, offensive player in the state, I mean, Ethan Wright's probably winning Mr. Football. So, yeah, uh, look, there's nobody happier than Marcus Freeman left than probably Darren Page. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Ethan Wright, like Marcus at some point was going to kidnap him. Yeah. Put him at and the strength. offense. Put him at, yeah. The, a, the offense was just never going to see him again. Right. Like it was coming. Which is like why Mark, they probably sprinkled in that one that one flare pass. Oh boom. no, there, that's there's no probably. It was admitted. I guess he see you. <laughs> it was <laughs> nice. The very it's first like, play of the game, I was like, hold up, hold up. That was Ethan Wright. So that? you know how like when like you're if you've got siblings or cousins or whatever, and there's like uh, something on the table that you want that, that both of you want, and you just pick it up and lick it. Yep. So that like you've you've laid your claim. That's what that play was. That was Mike Denbrock like licking the lollipop. Like that's mine. That's my lollipop, and you can't have it. And if my siblings' response to that is any indication, Marcus Freeman had to be furious. Marcus Freeman didn't care that the <laughs> lollipop had already been licked. Right. He's he was like, like I will, I will eat still it. eat this <laughs> lollipop. It's worth so, the lick. Do it. Right. I will <laughs> I will still eat this lollipop. I don't care how many times you lick it. I am going to eat this lollipop. Like, he was going to get Ethan Wright at some point. I have never heard the word lollipop used so many times so quickly since Lil Wayne. Okay. I like that. Fair enough. <laughs> Just an observation. But the rapper, right? But anyway, Aaron, any more questions for Chad as far as football? I, I mean, the coverage is going to continue going on. When is spring day is – I mean, spring uh, – the game, it's – I don't know. Late. That's all – it's middle of April at some point right. in time. Right. So, so uh, they, they go to – they go Wednesday – I don't know if I'm going to be able to return from Indianapolis and get to practice on Wednesday in time. Um, we'll see how that goes. But you know what also um, is on Wednesday? Pro Day is also Wednesday. Uh, day. I do plan to get up to Pro Day. So okay. Will that I, I be might... in the bubble or out on Nippert, do you know? It's supposed to be cold as hell and rainy. Okay, so bubble it is. But we're only I doing one bubble. Pro Day as opposed to Alabama doing two, right? Yes, next year we will have enough guys that maybe they will have to do too. <laughs> it's been pretty cool seeing the old guys around. Be right was back. Ferg almost tackled me today, Chris Ferguson, uh, when he saw me. So it was good to see Ferg. A lot of those guys that didn't get the opportunity to really have a pro day last year. Are they going to be able to participate with it as well? Yeah. I, cool. Yeah, they should be there working out and doing all the stuff tomorrow. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so that'll be Wednesday. That'll be Wednesday, yes. Um, and, of course, anytime you're able to see Pro Day, you're able to just get the measurables, get the uh, 40 times, everything that the combine. You know, because still, a lot of players were in, invited to the pseudo combine this year. So the the results should definitely be something to watch for for some of these players heading into the draft this year. Saw Smiley today. He said he was healthy. Really? Uh, nice. that, that he that he was going to run and be a full participant tomorrow. Very good. Or, or Wednesday. Sorry. Very good. Um, so that was good to see. Good to hear. Saw Defoe, Derek Forrest today. Um, it's a good day. It's a good day. And then, of course, the uh, anytime you're able to see 
a top 10 program with one of the best defenses in the country going up against a potential Heisman candidate. You know, I, I loved when I believe it was you who asked Des after practice on Saturday saying, you know, you want to break all of Geno's records. Well, you, you're about 5,000 yards behind in passing yards and Des straight faced. I'm sure. There was a little, little bit of a jest in there, but straight face said doable. It's possible. So, so somebody broke it down on the board, the numbers. Yeah. Uh, so I, I talked to Des today and I told him, you know, you're going to need, need about 347 yards a game over 14 games to, to catch Gino. And he went doable. Look, I can get there. <laughs> yard games in there. He's like, as long as coach, you know, lets me, let, lets me get my yards and doesn't take me out in the third quarter. Let it fly. Get there. Let it fly. <laughs> Aaron, anything else football wise before we uh, open up our BBP mailbag? I think it's time for the mailbag. All right. Fire away. Aaron. So let's start here while we have Chad's attention. Cause this is directed pretty well largely at you after listening to the uh the skinny pod last night uh when did cunningham start pissing off important people around town related to uc and how did he piss them off rick said that i didn't say that i mean i i I, i've heard some here's the thing you know what you know what um boosters want they want to feel included right they want to feel involved Mm -hmm. They're, they're giving this is generally people with we're talking about the, the, the high end people, people who, who have quite a bit of net worth, if you will. And if they are sharing that net worth with you, they like to feel warm and fuzzy about their relationship to the university. I don't think Cunningham has done a whole lot of that. And I, I've heard stories where there are people that have, you know, donated a significant amount to whatever project over the past 18 months. And other than asking them for money, they haven't really heard from him. You know, just a, hey, how you doing? Just wanted to check up. Just want to let you know what was going on. You can't think they do those or those breakfasts with the Bearcats or whatever. Coffee with yeah. Cunningham. Coffee with Cunningham. What a, you can't think that is outreach to your donors. Is it a, a part of outreach? Sure. Right. The people that are in your top 20, 30 donors list, it's like the issue with John Brandon and his players, right? There needs to be better communication. Right. If these are the people you're going to lean on when you have a locker room project, when you have, you want to build an indoor practice facility. These are the people that you have to establish those strong relationships with where they're excited to continue their support. They're excited to talk to you. They're excited to be, you know, someone that is uh, allowing the university to keep Luke Fickle, right? Mm-hmm. allowing the university to have a nationally relevant football program. And if you're only reaching out and making contact with those type people, when you need money, 
they're not going to like you. <laughs> That's plain and simple. It doesn't have to be that you did something that, that they don't like. Or that, you know, there, there's been an interaction where they've decided, I don't like this guy. But when you're only calling to say, hey, it's time to open your checkbook. People yeah. start to think, this guy doesn't actually like me. This guy doesn't actually care anything about me. He just has a project that needs my, my money. Yeah. How many times have I said this on these podcasts in, in this network? Yeah. Rich people didn't get rich by just randomly giving away their money. Right. It's like the girl that you only call up for Netflix and chill, but you don't want to go hold her it's hand. Like, at no, the no, it's not even that. It's the girl you call up at three or the girl you text you up at 3 a.m. I mean, I was trying to PG it down. It's fine. <laughs> but but those are two different girls. <laughs> at least you're watching something on Netflix for a while. The Netflix and chill girl, you're generally sober and you're like, hey, you want to come over and kick it tonight? Well, I, I you didn't let me finish. I said, but not the girl that you wouldn't hold her hand at the mall. Well, that's a third type of girl. <laughs> There's no Netflix and chill going on. It's the you up. <laughs> As you're in an Uber on the way home, you up. <laughs> I have nothing so bad to that. that. That's my answer to that. Like, I, I think mistakes have been made there where there, there's just not, there's not a connection being built from the athletic department mm -hmm. through the people that fund the athletic department or help fund the athletic department. And that makes people say, I don't, I don't know that I like this guy because if I'm going to go out of my way to support your endeavors, I would appreciate if you would go out of your way to every once in a while, call me and tell me my hair looks pretty. Right. <laughs> tell me how beautiful my eyes are. That goes a long way. I'm told. It does. So next question, um, it's kind of combining a couple of these. Basically, <laughs> people want to know if there was a uh, transition in basketball coaches, uh, who do we think the next potential coach is going to be? Some names that are being thrown out there. Uh, we've seen Archie Miller, uh, Kamani Young, Eric Martin. Um, I'm sure I'm missing maybe a, a couple, but. Who you got, Brent? Um, I mean, I don't know if if we should dive in completely. You don't have to go deep. Yet. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't go deep as no, like I a think, full breakdown. I think all those names that you mentioned would be up there, obviously. And as Chaz mentioned as well, it seems like Archie would be interested. And you know, Chaz's not going to throw out Kamani Young if there isn't any you know kind of connection to the program as well. So I think, I mean, I threw out Kamani young because he has a connection directly to Cunningham. They were both at Minnesota at the same time. I, exactly. I don't know. I don't know that there's, there's a direct connection there other than when you start doing coaching searches, you start doing hot boards, you start looking for who does this guy know? Right. He knows Kamani young. Like I would probably have had Ben Johnson on a hot board. Okay because he was at Minnesota with Ben Johnson, who was an assistant in Z at Xavier and then got hired to be the head coach of Minnesota last week. We I, I probably would have had that name as a name to consider just because there are connections. Like if there are legitimate 
these two guys have worked with each other for three years, so they they clearly know each other, then I think it's worth, at least for the initial version of the hot board, to have those names considered because you you don't know how these things are going to twist and turn. Right. And, and I think if, if all things were to be kind of um, as, as you would be able to transition pretty quickly, hopefully if uh, things did start to move in that direction, then certain coaches might be able to have connections with said players and build things past that. So I think that, you know, you, you look at some of those, Coaches like like an Archie Miller and like Kamani Young, who have been recruiting players, you know, Archie before he was let go at, at, at Indiana, Kamani obviously right now with UConn, you know, that do have certain ties with players and, and connections and can start to bring in players immediately. So I think obviously you put a little bug in their ear and hopefully if things do work out, there's something quickly that can come in and, and make the changes needed. So, I mean, I think Archie is obviously – and a name that people are talking about quite a lot. He makes sense. And yeah. It, and he makes complete sense. And, you know, connections to, you know, local connections, obviously connections in the Midwest and just, you know, success at, you know, in the A-10, which is a step below the AAC, if you will, but still a, a good school in Dayton. And he had great success in the tournament at Dayton, which is one thing that obviously John Cunningham kind of, I'm sure knows that the fan base wants his success in March. So um, it makes sense. I, I think Archie would, would have to be there. And I'm sure he's got connections with, with numerous players that are, you know, not only open in the transfer portal, but also probably were, were on the team prior. I know that, that IU probably kicked the curb a little bit with, with numerous players that, that currently are in the transfer portal. So Archie makes sense. But no, you're, you're um, talking, you're talking about the same Dayton that's joining the uh, the AAC, right? Shut up. <laughs> we don't talk about the, the – we do not give those guys a platform here. No. <laughs> I will find another co-host for this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. All right. Um, how does the, uh, the NCAA time log actually work? I explained that, that earlier. Yeah. Did we? I broke that down. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's okay. that Kara. Okay. Um, of the players in the portal who are most likely to come back, assuming Brandon leaves. Not touching that one. All right. Fair enough. Jumpman, <laughs> Adidas, Under Armour. Any clues on who's next? Jordan Brand jerseys were connected with hugs. Um, do we think that there's any shot that uh, we venture out from Under Armour anytime soon? I mean, that thing expires in 2024, and we have no indication. They're looking for something prior to then at this point. So. No, I don't think there's any possible way to know like what they're thinking right. three years from now. I don't know what they're thinking today. They're technically free agents, though, correct? Eh, yes and no. Okay. Can they go find something now? Yes. Are they looking to? I don't think they are. I think there's they're a- content to roll to 2024 with the agreement they have with Under Armour, uh, getting that payout. There's a lot bigger fish to fry right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I don't know what's going on today. I, I have no clue what's going on three years from now. Um, so if you were to so, – I guess we kind of talked about that. I went that one anyway. Um, 
We won't talk about that one again. Um, of the three defensive ends who are in, who do you see as the most likely to fall? And do they take two or more if they want to come? I think that's I mean, I, no, no. I think they take one more defensive lineman if they take, and it's going to have to be one of the elite, like the high end. I think they would take Popeye right now. Okay. I don't know that anybody else at this point fits that mold. And I'm gathering some information on a couple things. I think there could be a couple medical disqualifications coming which would be a couple more scholarships opening and we could be getting up to that 20 range pretty quickly. So yeah, I think they're at 17 right now. Like they, they could be at 20 before long, which makes taking, you know, an extra defensive lineman. If it's the right guy, if it's, I think, you know, what they're looking for is that edge rusher, um, my J type, that long twitchy, edge rushing type that I think Popeye would, would bring that. So I think he would be the one name really right now to, to keep an eye on. And, and what a name, what a name. So are we quickly approaching where Cincinnati should be considered for a uh, heartbreak 30 for 30, as opposed to Cleveland's, <laughs> you know, why Cleveland got theirs. Cause the heartbreak was gone. They broke the curse. They won. So uh, they ain't making a 30 for 30 for you while you're still losing. Got to hope you got to have a parade before they start. (laughs) You got to have a parade before they, they start, they stop talking about how much you lose. Um, It appears the American will have a drop off in competitiveness. Would there be an easier path to an unbeaten record? So there would be an easier path to an unbeaten record. Uh, If we knock off the Irish and the Hoosers, hypothetically, would we get dinged for the lack of quality in opponents when taking the playoff or the two big wins going to be enough to offset the, uh, the conference schedule? Oh no. I, I think people are going to be so in this, what in this exercise, we are assuming that the American is going to fall off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that it necessarily will. I, I mean, who projected, Tulsa to be the team that they were this past season. You know, who, who says Houston can't take a big step, you know, and, and be a formidable team down the stretch. Who says Memphis doesn't get a quick turnaround. Who, you know, I, I don't think U- quite- UCF with Malzahn UCF. doesn't yeah. take a yeah. jump. UCF obviously will still be good. Cause I, I didn't mean, think Heupel was a good coach. I think Gus Malzahn's a better coach than Josh Heupel. Like, yes, definitely. If anybody yes. got fleeced in that situation, it was Tennessee. Cause they should have hired Gus Malzahn. Yeah, and not Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel in big games, I was dying for a situation where Josh Heupel continued to be the coach at UCF because I I would have much less concern about UCF beating Cincinnati if it's Luke Fickle, Josh Heupel. Gus Malzahn's been in some some damn big games. You know, Gus Malzahn had a lot of success against who's that? Nick Saban, right? I've heard of him. That guy can coach. Like, and, and, and I don't think it's necessarily a Tommy Tuberville situation either. No, he's got something to prove. He thinks he was like Tuberville sprinted out the back door. Right. At Texas Tech because he was failing. Right. Malzahn didn't think his firing was just. Right. 
and it's it's pretty easy to recruit in at Central Florida as well. Um, There's a lot which, there, yeah. Which which in Cincinnati you do have to put in the effort as this current staff has done. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think the AAC will be will have some teams that will be good. Um, you know, you just got to look at Tulsa and just see a situation that you know where an unexpected team all of a sudden has a very good defense. There's going to be a couple teams that, you know, who knows if Tulane takes a big jump, who knows, you know, I I think there will be a few teams that will make this conference still be a good one. Sure. They lost some good quarterbacks this past season, but it's going to be still a a, a very good conference. And I think they're going to be able to get some really quality wins. I think the auto conference is going to be most important thing to the entirety of the conference. Yeah, I mean, the question your... the question will be what kind like so if Cincinnati beats the hell out of everybody in the AAC does the narrative become Cincinnati's just that good or does it become the AAC stinks right right that's where you'll have to monitor the national like temperature how how much good if Cincinnati is to beat Indiana and Notre Dame one this is probably the most important thing if Cincinnati beats Indiana and Notre Dame and those two don't have a good year, you're sunk. Yep. If Cincinnati beats Indiana and Notre Dame and those two go on to, to, to lose a combined <coughs> one or two more games the rest of the way, then Cincinnati continues to like go up mm-hmm. because they continue to talk about Cincinnati's got these wins over you know, top 15 Notre Dame and top 20 Indiana. Uh, If it's, you know, number 23 Notre Dame and unranked Indiana and Cincinnati's beating the hell out of the American, then the the P5 hype machine starts churning. Right. So um, what are the chances of seeing Prater for, you know, maybe a, a close to a half or so in the Miami game and the Murray State game? And are those the uh, highest opportunities we're going to have to see Evan Prater in action, uh, barring injury, of course? If Cincinnati's blowing out Miami and Murray State, then we'll see a lot of Evan Prater. Yeah, uh, I, think- I think there's going to be a couple AAC blowouts where we could see Evan Prater as well. And, and also, I think you you'll you might see Des in there a little bit longer this year. I think just because, I mean, you want to showcase his abilities, which is, you know, it, this is it's very rare to have. It's it's very rare to have a quarterback at at Cincinnati that's this high level. You know, so I think you might see him in a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, you're going to see a lot of Evan Prater if they're up four or five touchdowns against these lesser teams. So I think, yes, no doubt. Well, and that smoothly brings us to, I think my favorite question from the mailbag this week. Also our last question. Uh, What do you think there will be more of this year in football? Our offense getting over 600 total yards or our defense giving up less than 250 yards. Defense. Yeah. I think you're right. 600 total yards is, is That's, that's a lot. It's, tough Um, here's here's why i would say i'm not sure on that because we're not sure what evan prater is yet and we're not sure what you have a backup running back yet so in those blowout games 
will you see like you know remember we had the, a couple games last year where you got to Ben Bryant and and the running backs were still running wild over people in the fourth quarter of games that were getting out of hand like that's what you need to get to 600 yards most of the time um this is not an air raid offense 600 yards is a lot of freaking yards yeah i mean that's I mean, let's see here. four 400 passing 200 rushing so let's see how many yards the team it looked like there were I don't think there was many times last year that we eclipsed 600. Um, I don't think so either. I'm seeing one against Houston, another one against East Which Carolina. There were a lot. Yeah, those were games where we had a lot of late yards. Right, exactly. And then, yeah, I mean, it, it might have only been just against East Carolina, but you look on defense. I mean, they're, they're they're right there for most of it, but you also run that risk of at the end of the game, you saw Austin P, you know, burst off a couple of long runs to where all of a sudden they they finished with 140 rushing yards when they were probably held to, you know, right 30 heading into the fourth quarter. So, um, yeah, it's hard to gauge, but I'd go defense as well. I think, like I said, that was about the most – Interesting question where you can kind of make our. What would you pick, Aaron? What's your pick? I think it's going to be defense as well. Um, but again, you know, it depends on who's out there and what the, you know, I mean, we had some, some close games where we were holding people under 200. Right. And then all of a sudden, like, you just blow up at the end there. Or Cincinnati, for that matter, you know, they were, you know, it, it depends on how they're grinding out there with their you know, traditionally we but, run the ball towards the end of a game rather than air it out and just try and run the score up. Here's the other thing I would say. I think the second and third team defense is going to be significantly better than it was a year ago. Hmm. Yeah, true. I mean, we're way deeper for sure. Right. So if that if that depth plays true, right, when those guys get on the field, you know what they're going to be trying to do? Make a name for themselves. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So we'll see. I definitely think defense um, and you know what, in, in the sun, the, the rainbow and sunshine portion of the podcast through the, the, the rain and, and frustration of the basketball team is this football team that we can actually have that argument of would the defense get more games of under 250 yards or the offense more games of over 600. That, yep. that, that's a luxury that not many teams in the country could do. Did we just get our, we find our title, the sunshine and rainbows edition of the, the BBP. <laughs> sunshine through a cloudy day. I have no idea, man. It's, it's, it's been a crazy we, we've, ride. The, we've got sunshine. I've got sunshine. Ain't no sunshine in this song. <laughs> Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. I went the DMX version. Okay. I like that. Very good. Of course you did. Shocker. I know. Well, uh, anything else, guys? Is there wrap any it up. This, this, is, this is a neat and tidy. Well, people are going to get mad if there's no recruiting news, but at least I can say that we are switching topics right now to recruiting. Okay, there we go. When there's nothing, they're going to be real upset. It's which, all for the timestamp. In, in recruiting, I've been able to write the past two uh, recruiting, you know. Aaron, just, you, Aaron you, you want to be the recruiting guy? Well, I know we had uh, the recruits in doing a, what they had the virtual visit this weekend. Yeah. 
And then I, I believe if I read correctly, there may or may not have been some sightings of, uh, I, I didn't see anybody. I just saw some people that look like Josh Caddis, Max Claire and Caleb Perry. I was just going to say a couple glasses of milk. It looked like yeah. a couple glasses of milk walking around, but, um, the visit, the virtual visit was Caden Pope, Brian Parker, Ashton Craig, JQ Hardaway and Austin Brown. I think I think things are trending in a pretty daggone good direction with JQ Hardaway. I don't think they're there yet, but uh, I think they're definitely happy with where they are uh, in the recruitment of JQ Hardaway. Can you imagine how much easier it is now to sell a six foot three, hundred and eighty pound corner? on coming right. in here and playing in this system. Like you just send him video of sauce. Right. <laughs> like this is how we will use you. And then you send him all the graphics of like number two in the country, number one in the country, number two in the country, number one in the country. Can we yep. talk about how amazing that graphic was with the cell phone and all the little pictures and everything though? It was pretty good. That's pretty that's good. what this staff does, man. I just... Tyler Machinko is a very talented human being. Very I, much so. I wish somebody from the basketball side would just be like, hey, can you just do us maybe one? Maybe, maybe one. I mean, if you if you pay them, I'm sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> Paid by the football program. <laughs> um so that's where we're at. I, I'm not expecting um well. I don't know. We'll see what the weekend brings in terms of cookies. I'm not I'm not expecting cookies this weekend, but we'll see what the weekend brings in terms of cookies. You never uh, quite know. I'm just saying I'm not ruling it out. I'm not saying I'm just saying. Uh, basketball recruiting it looks like Houston's going to the Final Four. It does that look like true. that. The line was eight, so for all you betters out there, go ahead and get your white knuckles going. It's it was at all, six. It was also seventeen. Sp- 17 point spread at, at halftime. Yeah, it's nuts, but and you know, it is what it is. Here we are at six. But uh, yeah, yet again, this was a, a fantastic PvP, guys. A little bit more of a condensed version. No guests on this show, Con- but still condensed. I was gonna We're say, like- that's that's not condensed at 123. Well, you, but you know, risk. Come on, based off of what we have. <laughs> Shown the potential to do. Wow. They We're did still at 90 three. minutes. Yes, 90 minutes of beautiful coverage. I agree. But uh, this but is still. also a peek behind the curtain. This is an episode before we started where Brent's like, I don't think we're going to be able to get like an hour out of this. <laughs> Pull that curtain back, baby. Pull it back. Never ever doubt Brent getting an hour and a half out of talking Cincinnati Bearcats. <laughs> Well, it was a good. It was a good hour and a half, though. Information filled, potential filled. So, get us out. I hope you enjoyed it. But uh, Houston, but yet again, Houston is in the final four. Yes, they are. If you had plus eight, bad beat. No, just a beat. <laughs> or if you had Houston giving the points, not a not a great night for you. Yeah, but. But if you get it live again at five and a half, then you know what? You're okay. <laughs> but uh, if, if you happen to live in Indiana and can 
bet on your uh, phone. Responsibly make plays on your phone. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow, maybe, buddy. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll have to figure something out. But and again, fantastic show of the BVP here for Chad Brendel, for Aaron Smith. I am Brent Young. Thanks for listening. Have a fantastic weekend. See ya.